0: Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs This is bonus episode 309 I'm your host Duncan McLeish Welcome to the show This is the last movie club of 2020 With your listener reviews on the final stop In our black exploitation journey We have, very much like we've done throughout the entire year Taken specific little corners of uh, the white tapestry that is horror And spent a bit of time Four episodes a piece. Looking into them. Uh, the last one we decided to do this year was Black Exploitation and this is the very final movie. In 2021 we'll be continuing on this kind of format a movie club. I'll be taking us to somewhere else in the world and setting out another four-part series on that and continue that right through 2021. I just want to say up front, that has been brilliant doing Movie Club this year, I have loved the participation under what has been maybe the most trying circumstances that any of us will be able to reconcile our head with um, in our life on the planet and the fact you guys carved it a bit of time in your what is, I have no doubt, very busy months to watch a movie and submit into Movie Club is something that I think collectively we shall be proud about but something that I'm immensely proud about because without the listener reviews Movie Club doesn't exist so thank you very much for that. There is very few episodes left uh, this year, two to be precise, uh, one from the podcast Under the Stairs which comes by way of a very drunken, somewhat not quite accurate movie commentary dropping tomorrow. Um, for Warlock And on the Teapots Collective That's where your second episode is The last episode of Opera Omnia Season 2 will drop myself and Richard Glenn Smith Looking at the final Peter Strickland movie In Fabric And then we close our doors officially So park us under the stairs We'll close doors Return for you Monday, January the 11th, 2020 Two weeks off for this guy Very much looking forward to it So, while we get into this, go take a short break. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to read the trailer for The House on Skull Mountain when I return. We are discussing that movie by way of your reviews right after
1: this. Want to learn more about horror directors? With a light-hearted look at three of their movies? Meet fearless podcaster Gore Blimey. I've been unsettled by bats in the past and startled by parrots and I've even been known to jump at the odd cockatoo discover horror films that are classics, and others, too. There's a topless aerobics massacre, an exploding rock singer, cannibals, nude martial arts, a deep-fried... But it's not all silliness. You'll get proper movie breakdowns, opinion, and background information, too. Yep, in the 80s and 90s, Jeff Stryker was huge in gay porn. In every sense. So if you're a horror film fan, come and check out the Trilogy of Terror podcast at strangeanddeadly.com or find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or on your podcatcher.
2: One of those people that has a certain charisma and a certain style, and I'm just hoping one day he'll rub off on me. The Trilogy of Terror podcast, where we
3: try three times harder to give you the willies the limits of mortal fear. Outside the realm of imagination, there's a place where every nightmare you've ever had comes true. The house on Skull Mountain. Skull Mountain. Beyond its doors, the unknown waits. Through its windows, the supernatural beckons. Evil stalks its hallways. Terror lives in every room. <laughs> The house on Skull Mountain. Arise, Paul Christophe. Awake from your long sleep. I, to my picture, command it. Where death reaches from beyond the grave. Blame the souls of the living. (laughs) What is its secret? Who holds its power? When will it strike again? Victor French, Janie Michel, Jean Durand, Mike Evans, and Ella Wood. No one can escape the horror that lives in the house on Skull Mountain.
0: And welcome back, so let's get into this, shall we? Let's start with Tim Walker who says, Dear Duncan and Teapots people. We've got one last black exploitation film to do and one last review for the brutally long year of 2020, The House on Skull Mountain from 1974. Well Duncan, you remember how I said there was only one black exploitation that I've ever given a four out of five stars to? I didn't see what it was just in case you picked it for this month and you picked it for this month. I was very surprised. I'd assume you picked something more popular like one of the Killer films, Sugar Hill or Ruby, not House on Skull Mountain. It has been a while since I'd seen it though. Would it hold up to the rewatch? Obviously I'd seen it before. I still have the DVD from Midnight Movies line from MGM that they put out in the early to mid 2000s. They put it on a double bill with the Rosemary baby style film The Mephisto Waltz, which stars Jacqueline Bissett and Alan Alda. Yes, Alan Alda was in a horror film before he was on MASH, and he's pretty damn good in it too, although it was primarily Bissett's movie. Anyway, for years this and maybe a couple of other black exploitation horror films like Ruby were the only ones I was familiar with and this was my favourite by far. Well, it still is. It's such a fun movie. It's got a mix of voodoo like you'd see in movies like The Serpent and the Rainbow mixed with a fun old dark house film like The House on Haunted Hill and add in the Africa-American cast minus Victor French from Highway to Heaven uh, with Michael Landon's odd casting but I like him anyway. Well, in addition to the fun atmosphere, the movie had great cinematography. It's Very colourful, even for the 70s. I watched the same DVD and I gotta say it looks great. I still like to have it on Blu-ray. The acting wasn't bad at all, but it looked like most of the cast were having a great time. The script isn't going to knock anyone's socks off, but it doesn't have to. It does exactly what it sets out to do. It's not a scary movie at all. There was one scene that I thought was genuinely creepy, and that was the airline scene where one of the family members is on the way to the house and they see a monk's face covered up and leaning over to stare at her. Like, a bit like the one of the undead Night Templars from the Blind Dead films. Except for the fact you can't see his face. After a while she just lets out a blood curdling scream. That scene was a pretty effective set piece. Is there anything else I didn't like about it? Well I did say Victor French was an odd bit of casting and that's true. He's likeable enough but I would have liked a younger actor in his role. Exactly who I'm not sure. Maybe Don Scardino from Squirm and He Knows You're Alone. Maybe Keir Dula from Black Christmas and 2001 A Space Odyssey, just putting it out there. It's not the best written or most complicated movie ever, I suppose. Some people won't like the ending but it works pretty well for me in every way. How about my rating? Is it still a 4 stars? No. It went up to a a 4.5 stars. Not quite good enough to reach the 5 out of 5 but this is a damn entertaining little movie. I'm very glad you picked it Duncan, although I am surprised like I said. I'm glad I didn't spoil it in my previous reviews. Still no black exploitation horror has reached the 5 star mark, but this one is the closest. And yes, my year plus streak of positive reviews and positive reviews for the entire calendar of 2020 remains intact, we'll see where we go in 2021. Eventually you're going to pick something I don't like I'm sure. There's plenty of horror comedies for me to hate on and the odd movie here and there that just doesn't work for me. Tagline. Well, everyone says that they aren't good at taglines, even though many of you do some pretty good ones, so how about this? Pauline Kristoff's bought her family into face e voodoo master and death in itself, who will survive a night in the house on Scum Mountain. Everyone take care, stay safe and don't mess with the voodoo. Take care Duncan and t folks, Tim. Thank you very much for submitting that in Tim. There we go. Surprise, surprise. Kill surprise, as the French would say. I don't know if French say that, but I'm putting it in anyway. Um, All the best to yours and yours, and I hope you have a phenomenal Christmas and New Year when it lands, buddy. Shall we continue on the Jolly Jaunt? I think we shall, and where will we go next? So much choice. So many places we can go. Let's go with Don and Ellie. Remember there was a time period where you guys were never on the same page and that that is long since gone. Uh, here we go, Don says, And so to wrap up this shit fest of a year with a nice run of films on the movie club looking at black exploitation horror and the last one in this run is one of my favourites in the style with the house on Skull M- Mountain which is rather fun and rather enjoyable effort that has a lot to like about it dwelling on the voodoo rites and ceremonies that are at the forefront of the plot which comes from a rather strong and enjoyable storyline which enables it all to come together in the first place. This plays like a prototypical black exploitation effort with the whole film taking a stereotypical plotline and infusing elements here and there that make it much more appealing to its central audience. The voodoo rites themselves are the best part of the film, ranging from the early scenes of the black magic forcing them into deadly accidents, to the discovery of a voodoo ceremony occurring in the house's basement, to the battle with the big spirit in the finale. There's plenty to like here. There are a few flaws, from the inability to spell out why the main villain is really out to get the family as it's barely offered here and suffers from some pacing issues, but overall it's still highly enjoyable. I'd probably go just barely at a 4 out of 5 on the Netflix scale With a tagline of A house of voodoo, death and black magic Who will come out alive? Beyond that, stay safe this holiday season and take care We'll see you in the new year Thank you very much Don Like I said to Tim, all the best to you and yours I hope you have a phenomenal Christmas And an amazing new year when it arrives Thank you very much for submitting in that review Right, where do we go next? Let's get some audios in. I think it's all audios from here, so let's just power through, shall we? Um, let's start with the first audio review from Raphael Fernandez. Raphael
4: says... Hello, Tibus folks. The House on Skull Mountain. With a title that sounds more like a Dungeons and Dragons adventure than a exploitation film, I was genuinely interested in seeing this movie. Seriously though, the title evoked nostalgia for good old Haunted House movies, like The Legend of Hell House or House on Haunted Hill. I was well greased for whatever this movie had in store. And although it's not a really great horror movie, I really enjoyed House on Skull Mountain. In fact, I think it's the best of the exploitation films we've seen in this series, discounting Ganja and Hess for no reason other than personal preference, though it is of course a superior film. Thanks, Duncan. First of all, we have a classic spooky premise. The death of a family member causes distant relatives to converge on her family estate, forcing together a diverse ensemble of personalities, which makes for some good cinema. I especially liked Philippe, played by Mike Evans, as the hit but abrasive brace of youth. No joke, the very first impression I got off of him, once he started talking, was of Jimmy J.J. J. Walker from the TV show Good Times. And later, looking up Mike Evans' IMDb, showed that he was the creator and writer of that show. Good on him, that was a fun show. He's also the most racially sensitive, which is in character giving his youth. In fact, as a black exploitation movie, I had expected a stronger class struggle message somewhere in it. In fact, at the scene where the lawyer reads Pauline's letter to her family, she states,
0: Yours is no common ancestry, but a proud and powerful line, rich in history. My enemies are defeated. Yours perhaps lie
4: dormant. And I thought to myself, was that letter loaded with hidden meaning? Because it could be argued that a previous generation won its civil rights victories, but inequality is still around for posterity to deal with. I looked up Senator Leroy Johnson, a name so stereotypical of beggar's belief that that's his name, but it is. He played Mr. LaRue, the lawyer, and actually played a role in Atlanta's own civil rights movement as well as being the first black state senator elected in Georgia since 1907, when he won his seat in 1963. So I'm almost certain that there was an inspirational purpose to that scene. The movie's lead, Dr. Andrew Cunningham, is probably the schlubbiest hero in film history. He's played by Victor French, who apparently had a career playing mostly villains, due to his harsh visage, but found success in a role on the popular Little House on the Prairie. Janie Michelle as Lorena Christoph is gorgeous. That's all. No, seriously, she had a decent career in TV like most of these folks, but she was also in previous years Scream, Black, to Scream. But it's been too many years since I've seen that movie to say anything about it, her performance there. She does a pretty good job in this movie, asserting herself when she needs to, but it's still the era where female characters were ultimately damsels in distress at some point in the movie, so that's what happens here. But for me, the character who steals this movie is the butler slash villainous voodoo warlock Thomas Petion, played by the genuine Haitian born Jean Durand. He has a look and screen presence that was intense. Once he was in his full comic book villain mode, he absolutely chewed the scenery with his performance, especially that fake cave set that could have come from an episode of Star Trek. He has some TV credits as well, including Rod Serling's night gallery. But I bet his thick accent kept him from greater success in Hollywood. Which is a shame, because he makes a great villain. I have to say a big 4K TV didn't do the matte painting of the house on Skull Mountain any favors. Another technical flaw was some too obvious voice dubbing. However, I do consider these flaws part of the charm of these kinds of movies, so I'm not really knocking them. And related to the movie's other technical aspects, the special and practical effects Were acceptable and effective for whatever the budget was. Superimposing skulls and camera tricks were for me to show that supernatural influence was at work, and I really liked that feathered voodoo charm bleeding and burning a hole in Pauline's coffin. It was just as effective as the burning off of the swastika from the crate containing the Ark of the Covenant in Raiders of the Lost Ark, but probably cost a lot less. And I think they did a great shot where the Grim Reaper appears to Harriet on the airplane by slowly turning around in its seat to look at her. Someone with video skills could tweak the coloring and play with lighting effects, and that shot would be equally effective in a post-not horror film. Anyway, there's probably more to say about The House in Skull Mountain, but I'm running long gas. I really like this movie. Although I'm giving it 3.5 stars, I will also say it's my favorite of the black exploitation Bunch. A welcome change from the standard fare. And for my tagline, if you're invited to the house in Skull Mountain, just stay home. Thanks for listening, everybody. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever floats your boat. And I can't wait to hear what everyone else has to say about the house in Skull Mountain. And thanks very much to Raphael
0: for sending that in. Thanks for all you've done this year, buddy. I hope you have a phenomenal Christmas and New Year when it comes to you. All the best to you and yours. Right, let's turn our attention to David Garrett Jr. who says...
1: Hello Duncan and t puts listeners, David Garrett Jr. here back again for December Movie Club Challenge here for 2020. This is the last movie for the black exploitation ones that we've been kind of working through here, and this one is The House on Skull Mountain. Now I'll be honest, I had never heard of this movie, Duncan, until you had selected it for this one. I know you were talking about, you know, how you kind of went through some that it sounds like some people know, but this one, like I said, it was a little bit of a blind spot for me, so I was pretty interested to come in as blind as I could. I just knew that it had a pretty interesting title i knew it was black exploitation, of course and that it had to do with voodoo from what you had said now this one we're really seeing that we have this voodoo priestess of pauline as she passes away and then she sends out letters to bring four cousins to the house to have her will read but she's also worried about now that she has passed away that she that they might have these enemies that are going to come out of the shadows to kind of mess with them and we get to see that as that first night that they were there now What is interesting for this movie for me is that it feels like it's combining the older, like, old dark house subgenre of films and mixing it with voodoo. Now, that makes a lot of sense to me, since if you're going to take this subgenre that, you know, you had a lot of older films that had mostly white casts, then in combining voodoo, which is culturally a Caribbean thing... To combine that into this type of subgenre, you know, to make it its own kind of spin with black exploitation, I think that's kind of a genius thing to do, and it works pretty well for that. Now, this is another one that I am kind of glad to see that it's a more serious take from black exploitation. That's not to say there's not some whimsical things in this movie, though. I don't recall what Lorena's job was, but I know she seems to be pretty successful. Philip is in the same vein, but I'll delve into him more in just a minute pauline is descended from royalty of king henry who helped the revolution in haiti against the french and then she's also one of the most powerful voodoo priestesses it seems to be kind of in the world from what they're making it out to be or at least in the area and she also has a butler and maid of thomas and louette now the more that we learn about thomas though he falls into this as well as he is our villain here as he is a powerful voodoo priest himself and that now that she's out of the way he is trying to take control of everything And then we also have a Mr. Ledoux, who is an attorney, and there's also a black doctor in this movie. Now, something that shocked me is that the fourth cousin that we get to meet is this Dr. Andrew Cunningham. Now, he's a doctor, but this movie is also saying that he's a descendant as well. It feels like they went with the actor of Victor French because he already had a career ahead of this, so I'm wondering if this was just a name draw for him. I personally would have liked to see an actor that would have been black and just have a bit more lighter skin So that way you could still kind of have the thing with Philip to kind of feel a little bit slighted that he's there. But I just think it's kind of odd that, not to be racist here, but French doesn't look like he has any sort of black culture that could be in his descendants. But I mean, I don't think it ruins the movie, but for me personally, it's just a misstep. Regardless, though, I do like the voodoo aspects that we get in this movie. The house is just a great setting as there's some secret rooms. I love the skulls that they have all over the place and then this kind of helps to build the tension and it also works that andrew is a doctor of anthropology he is drawn to learning more about voodoo and the reason being is that there's heritage and probably something in his dna there it is even more fitting who the reveal is that you know of course that thomas is his voodoo priest as well and that he has fallen in love with lorena despite what he tells Louette. And I think there's also kind of something that's that she has this powerful blood that if he kind of marries her, it'll give him even more power from kind of what I'm gathering as well. I do think that the acting is pretty solid across the board. I think French, despite my issues with him being cast, I think he turns in a really good performance here. I like what he does. I liked the actress of Michelle as the damsel in distress. Durand as Thomas was really good. Evan's as philip is kind of interesting as he's a jerk i do like that he embodies this jive type of person but he's just somebody that i'm glad he kind of gets his just punishment but i don't necessarily know if he needs to die he just kind of is kind of an asshole throughout everything thought the rest of the cast rounded this out for what was needed the effects of the movie are kind of interesting as well is that they're a bit cheesy if i'm going to be honest i do think that they're you know being from the 1970s it does add a bit of charm there the house is either a miniature or it's just a matte painting my problem is that they don't do a great job of that the house always looks dark and gloomy but then when you're not that far away but seeing it at a distance it's bright and sunny i think they could have done a little bit better there to kind of and even when you're closer to the house it never is looking as gloomy as it does when you're looking from afar i would have liked to seen a little bit more of that like a little bit more care there taken but you know this does play place in georgia where it is you know sunnier and warmer i do like what they do with the voodoo you know having this creepy hooded figure that we see periodically there are snakes that are also kind of creepy and it's also kind of cool is that i'm wondering if i don't know enough about voodoo to be kind of an expert on it but it is kind of cool to hear this thing about Lou Dembella because that is definitely something you hear from like child's play and the house is just a great setting on top of that as I've already said I like what they're doing with the drums for the voodoo ritual at first I was confused about this and I was wondering where it was coming from but I do like by the end of it that this is all explained so I'm on board there and I do think that this voodoo bit that we get in the climax does run a bit long and starts to almost feel like it's there for filler but you know not enough to ruin anything for me so with that said, I think this explores some interesting aspects while also being a bit cheesy. I really like combining the old dark house subgenre with the black exploitation with voodoo. I thought that the acting was good across the board. The effects we get are solid. If I do have some slight issues here and there, but none that kind of ruins everything. Mostly, it's just kind of seeing the house on the mountain from afar. There are some issues with the casting for me, but again, does that doesn't ruin anything? So I do think that that actor plays his role very well. Aside from that, I like that they add a little bit of whimsical and stuff that you normally get with this subgenre at times, while also giving it just a solid movie in general. I would actually rate this as above average, and definitely worth the viewing if anything that I said has ticked you know, people's boxes here, but my rating would be, on the T-put scale, would be a 3 out of 5 for this movie. Not great, but I think it's kind of a fun one and does some interesting things for me. And then for my tagline, Duncan, I have Can You Survive a Night of Voodoo and Terror in the House on Skull Mountain? Probably one of my better ones for me personally. But once again, glad that you do these. Pretty excited that we've, you know, ran through these four Black Exploitation films, as I've only seen one of them prior, so you're, you know, helping me with some of my blind spots here. Definitely intrigued to see what you have next in store for us in this, you know, upcoming year that we have. And, you know, thank you for everything that you do, Duncan. Your show definitely keeps me entertained and helps me get through my work days and whenever I get a chance, you know, to listen. I hope everything is great for you as well as all the listeners throughout the holidays. Can't wait to hear the episode and to hear what the others think about this movie. And this is David Garrett Jr. signing off.
0: Massive thanks to David Garrett Jr. for submitting in that review. David has taken part in all the months this year like so many of you guys have. And it has made, like I say, it's made me smile getting those uh, reviews in every month and hearing your views on them. All the best to you and yours for Christmas and New Year, David, and uh, I look forward to interacting uh, and collaborating with you next year. Right, let's continue on. Second last or penultimate review, comes in from Kate Pollock and Kate says
5: Hi Duncan and Teapots listeners I hope you're all doing well and things it's Kate Pollock here with my review on The House on Skull Mountain so we start off strong here we've got this really cool opening there's this um sort of real kind of voodoo vibe that we've got going on with this sort of rhythmic drumming and things and f- fire and it, I think it really sets the theme to, of, of what to expect from this movie. Um, we have this lightning storm flashing over Skull Mountain complete with a literal skull <laughs> carved out of the rock uh, which I just thought was really cool, it's a really kind of old school um, effect and, and almost something like out of Scooby Doo or something you know. This stuff, you know, it just continues throughout the film, and I really enjoyed a lot of it. I think, um, you know, it it was cool bringing it back to the voodoo undertones, and it created suspense. Well, you know, you've got this really great imagery um, of like things like crows and snakes and skulls. You've got the graveyard in the back garden. I mean, the mansion overall, and and, you know, its interiors and everything is is really kind of this imposing um, sort of feature of the film. It's almost a character in itself. Um, You know, you've got the storms. It's all very gothic, and, and I just really appreciated that. Um, there are moments where like skulls are used to foreshadow death and things and and although some of the effects have not aged well especially there's like This actual laughable moment where you can literally see the copy and paste job of um skull mountain being sort of superimposed onto the landscape as lorraine looks towards it from the road um <laughs> i mean i don't know if it's budget or just the time but i was just like wow yeah um but some are really cool such as i, I did really enjoy the um the moment when Lorena sat in her um uh, her uh, dressing table and um you know in the mirror we see this sort of Through her and her reflection and the bits and bobs on the dressing table Um, it sort of creates the outline of like a skull um, which is sort of shown through and I thought that was kind of cool and and the bit at the end as well when Pauline sort of is resurrected and she comes in we have first off we have this really creepy imagery where we just see her silhouette and her hair is all fly away and it's it's really quite an unsettling moment and then she comes through and, and a bit later on we have this sort of fade out of her face sort of slowly turning into this kind of skeletal creature it's almost like a zombie it kind of reminded me of the uh, the bit right at the end of psycho as well i thought it was really good and again quite unsettling um, so yeah so you've got some really cool imagery and effects going on there um, the set design you know as i mentioned the mansion and things i think is absolutely gorgeous the mansion is beautiful the interior pieces are just really detailed um, you know that fireplace is stunning and generally you can just kind of tell like a lot of thought went into it so um that was really good to see um, it's a great score. Um, it's it really evokes those old movies from back in the day. You know, you've got these big brass moments for shock and tension, and um, you know, and all that stuff. And then you, at the same time, you've got this more tribal drumming kind of running through, just to remind us of like the mystery surrounding the supernatural and voodoo undertones. You know. Um, there are some things that didn't work for me, Uh, one was the pacing, Um, I saw the runtime at an hour and 24 minutes and I was so happy to see it, I even mentioned Duncan who can appreciate my lack of time for anything, (laughs) so you know I was really excited to see that it was a relatively short film, so it was a little bit disappointing to find the it was kind of padded for time or seemed to be a bit padded for time there were you know a few scenes of dialogue that didn't really seem to go anywhere there weren't really many kills to speak of and certainly no gore um there's a touch of blood at the beginning at the funeral and that's kind of it um you know we have this random montage of Andrew and Lorena having this date I guess like they're cousins but they all seem very touchy-feely with each other it's a bit gross um and there's really kind of odd song choice over the top so yeah there were these moments of, of pacing which I was just like mm, I don't know if we really needed that like we could probably shave a good sort of 10-15 minutes off this movie I think and and it would just been seemed a lot tighter you know um however you know when there was action and suspense I thought it was done well even if there wasn't any gore because you know the creepy imagery of stuff that I've said before like snakes and, and skulls and things I thought they were used to good effect um I did find the plot to be a little bit meandering also. I don't this could just be me, um, but I didn't really get what the point of them all being there was, just aside to build up a body count. I know that there was some exposition there, um, but it either just didn't really seem to make sense or honestly, sometimes I actually just couldn't understand what what was being said by Thomas um due to his accent, which is that's on me in fairness. Um but yeah, I did sort of like lose the point of it a little bit. Um and also as well, I mean, these characters do just sort of seem to be fodder to be picked off. Like, you don't really get to know them um, at all. Um, there's one that we just flat out don't like, um, Philip, he's just a bit of an ass. Um, so, you know, when it comes to them being killed, I don't really care, which is, which is a shame. Um, I also didn't really really like the whole incest leaning, that's not okay. Um, I thought it was really uncomfortable to watch. I mean, even our hero, quote unquote hero, um, Andrew, I mean, he's still kind of inappropriate with the way he is with Lorena and stuff. Like he touches her face a lot and they're very kind of handsy on their date. Um, and also as well, like there's a bit where, you know, Lorena and Philippe is sort of getting acquainted with each other and just suddenly they're like best friends, even though two minutes ago, he almost drove her off a cliff. I just, things like that, I just didn't really buy. Um, one thing I did like um, was the female representation I thought was really good Um, I thought um, especially to see like women of colour to be shown um, to be like well-spoken and seemingly well-educated I thought that was really good here Um, you know it was it was the women who generally kept their heads throughout and there's a scene where Philippe is drunkenly harassing Lorena and although Andrew does try to help her ultimately it's her who handles the situation without the need of Andrew stepping in as well meaning as he was so that was really good to see on that note, um, there does seem to be a bit of a comparison between Andrew and Philippe. Um, you know, one is a doctor of anthropology. Um, he's white. Plot twist: being that they're supposed to be related, um, which kind of creates slight racial tension between him and Philippe. Um, yeah, you know, he's smart. He's he's seemingly intelligent and and for the most part, quite a nice man. And then to counterpart that, you have Philippe, who's really loud. Like loud. He's 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 rude. He's brash. He's kind of slightly ropey you know and, and he's black and i'm just not entirely sure how i feel about that really ultimately it's andrew who ends up being our sort of hero um and i thought that having a white hero just kind of seemed odd within um, a black exploitation movie um i mean to be fair like i mean i as i've said before i am so new to this genre this could just be my complete lack of knowledge um getting me thinking this but it didn't really feel like a black exploitation movie um on that point but eh, yeah um but I just regardless I still think having this like you know full black cast and then having this white guy come in as the hero it just I don't know it seemed a bit out of place um I did think it was kind of a cool parallel between him and Henry the first of um, their ancestors um you know so Henry the first is this guy who rebelled and he freed the slaves and he ultimately ended up being a ruler of this island um and then you've got Andrew who comes and he frees Lorena um, and he stops this curse and then you know he becomes the king of the manor so to speak Um, you know he gets half the inheritance and and the mansion but I just I don't really get why he has to be white it just doesn't really seem to make much context like so much sense within the context of the film and especially with them being related and it's even noted in the script that it doesn't really make much sense and I'm not sure that it adds really anything to the plot so you know and then we've gone from having this um you know representation of black characters as some as people who are you know wealthy and and educated and things to having this climactic scene filled with like ritualistic murder perpetrated by black people who are just going kind of crazy and dancing and I get that it's all like the you know the uh, voodoo rituals and whatnot but like it just kind of seemed to be a bit of a a bit of a, a a, 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 like a downslide if that makes sense um it's not a very good word but I hope you know what I mean like it just sort of you know you've gone from having quite strong representation to go into this very kind of stereotypical sort of more negative connotations of you know the typical sort of you know voodoo murderous kind of stereotype there um and especially when you've got a white man coming in to save the day so yeah I just didn't really understand that choice um I might be looking into this but the you know one thing I did think was kind of noteworthy for the time is that you've got this white man who um, not only is not racist which is great <laughs> but he uh, you know he wants to actually find solace and in integration within a black um, within a black family and you know his, his black heritage so I thought that, that was kind of a um, progressive for its time um, all things considered this does seem to be quite an important film i think i can see influences in more recent movies such as get out and, and the skeleton key it obviously wears its own influences on its sleeve you know there's a lot of um, you know haunt, house on haunted hill here um you know so i think it is definitely a, a movie of no i did like it overall i don't want to seem too negative i did think it was really fun there was you know stuff like the machete just appearing out of thin air in typical bad 70s fashion was so great um i, I laughed out loud at that um As I said, there's a lot of creepy imagery. I like the female representation. I also found it kind of funny at times. There's, um, you know, it's not always very funny, but there are these little moments of humour. For example, you know, Philip will go to, they just get there and and they go to Lorena before Lorena's sort of warmed up to him and goes, what's happening? And she's just deadpan, like a funeral. Just bits like that I thought were kind of funny. Um, I also thought it was really suspenseful. Um, I thought it was beautifully shot, albeit some dodgy effects. So, yeah, the plot didn't fully click with me and I thought it missed the mark when it comes to some of the racial themes. However, that could just be me. Maybe I'm looking into this more than I should. Um, I'll be happy to hear, you know, I want to hear what other people think because, you know, in case I'm just completely wrong. Um, But I do think that this is a film worth watching for sure. And I think it's one I'll probably go back to in future. You know, someone said, hey, do you want to crack this? On, I definitely wouldn't be opposed. So for me, it's a 3.5 out of 5, somewhere between I like it and I really liked it. Um you know it could improve on future watches I don't know but I'm yeah comfortable at 3.5 for now um so yeah thanks Duncan for this one I'm always glad to have watched your recommendations and as usual looking forward to hearing other people's thoughts um and I'm also really excited to see what we'll be covering in next season's movie club so anyway that's me but I just wanted to before I go wish everyone a very merry Christmas a happy Hanukkah or whatever holiday you may celebrate um or even if you're just (laughs) celebrating the end of 2020 woohoo we can all cheers to that I think so yeah anyway have a great time whatever you're doing bye
0: and thanks very much to kate for submitting in her review kate i hope you and your lovely family have a phenomenal christmas when it arrives and an amazing new year and um, thanks very much for becoming part of this uh, you joined us kind of halfway through the year and it's been a ton of fun and all your involvement and we have to begin with Jalo has been great as well and obviously all your involvement on the Thursday night cast commentaries, uh, which I deeply, deeply enjoy. So, uh, hopefully, you and your family have an amazing time. Right, so let's bring this into the final Movie Club listener review of 2020. And as always, is brought to you by the patron seat of Movie Club. The man is, of course, Lee Russell. And here's what Lee had to say about the movie.
2: All right, back from Movie Club, last one of 2020 in uh, House and Skull Mountain. Wish we could say we go out on a bang and not a whimper for 2020, but uh, there's some foreshadowing for you. House on Skull Mountain is one of these slow, boring 1970s throwback horror films that has nothing that really makes it notable other than this has the novelty of mixing the quote-unquote exploitation element in with these sort of throwback gothic horror tropes and there was just... It was a dime a dozen with films like this in the 70s where you'd have these sort of throwback films that usually had nothing going on. I, I kind of like call them the the hammer films of the 1970s that had no blood and tits in them, basically. Um, and a lot of them just were just very slow and plotting and very boring, and this one's really no different. Um... I mean, this movie wants you to believe it's within the exploitation genre, but I don't really think it is. In reality, it is just one of these slow, boring, throwback 1970s horror films that happens to be pretending it's black blaxploitation. Um, I mean, yeah, it has mostly a black cast. Uh, the source of the horror comes from black religious uh, trappings with voodoo and all that. But that doesn't automatically make it a black exploitation film, and also shoehorning in a white lead, who is both seemingly romantically interested in the black female lead and is also related to her, just makes me stop and take a double take and wonder what the hell people were thinking when they were making this film. Um, I mean, when you look at stuff like that's actual black exploitation, like Blackula, Ganja and Hess. And even, like, Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde uh, has some sort of real social commentary deep underneath it about contemporary black culture and either how the inner political relationship between classes and the black culture um, work together and pull apart, or also throwing on top, and usually this is the case, the uh, history of, you know, victimization from white culture and how that relates contemporary black culture and what they think of it and a lot of the horror came from those things here it's just a base goofy horror imagery that sort of pops up here and there and makes no real sense uh the fact that it's voodoo related is just more window dressing than anything else um you just see a lot of goofy shit in this film and But it's unfortunately not goofy enough to make it entertaining. It's just kind of, like, lame. Um, Not much of it makes any sense. Like I said, the constant shots that go to the sort of cheap mock-up on Skull Mountain of the house, on this really goofy-looking mountain, um, they just feel sillier than was obviously intended. And they just sort of make me groan and roll my eyes. Um, If the movie had been, like, over-the-top, goofy in a way that was entertaining. I totally changed my opinion on this, but I just find this kind of boring and kind of stupid. Uh, the acting was mostly okay, and the finale does amp things up a little bit, but by then it was just way too late for me to give a crap, honestly. Um, like, I'm not even really picking out details of the plot here, am I? Like, that's how boring it was to me. I, I honestly... I watched this last night for Movie Club, just got around to it. It's December, of course, so it's busy for me. I'm sure it's busy for everybody else. I was like, still got to get Movie Club done. So I started watching this. I fell asleep halfway through and had to start over. And I still don't remember the plot points all that much. So that should tell you something. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One and a half stars out of five. (laughs) Sorry, we couldn't do better (laughs) with this one. But um, uh, still, Movie Club, I feel, is a great success this year. A lot of interesting entries. And uh, I'm not going to, you know... I'm not going to be too let down that uh, we went out with this one. But there you go. Um, I hope everyone Movie Club has a... uh, Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that good stuff. And uh, I look forward to what other people have to say about this one, of course. Um, Maybe I'm the odd man out this time. Maybe I'm the only one who didn't think this was worth a crap. Um, Maybe everyone else thinks this is great. And I'll be interested to see what people actually have to say about it. Um, But yeah, cheers, guys. And uh, we'll see you in 2021.
0: And thanks very much to Lee for that review. Lee, I hope you have a phenomenal Christmas and New Year with plenty of whiskey and beer Taboot, my good friend. Uh, God knows we've all earned it. So, yeah, you make sure you have a good one. And I look forward to catching up with you and getting you back on Podcast Under The Stairs, man. Get you back over a review of a movie, which isn't this. (laughs) It's sometime in 2021. Uh, interestingly enough, Lee, I, I'm kind of with you on some of your points. I don't necessarily count this as a black exploitation movie. I think it's, I think it's put there because it's easy to put it there. But I, I, I definitely feel that it leans more towards a movie which isn't tackling the same sort of uh, social, racial, and political issues that most black exploitation movies cover. Um, and I think because it has a bit of voodoo in it and it has a mostly black cast it's very easy to to kind of navigate into that genre um, without it being maybe totally apt. Um, I do disagree on the entertainment thing, I find this movie wildly entertaining but we all have our own crosses to bear and hopefully you found some sleep man he sounded tired and I don't want to be the man <laughs> that denies you a couple hours sleep to watch a movie you had to watch twice Um, that's never cool but yeah I hope you have a great Christmas and New Year thank you very much for participating I think you were all but one this year which is kind of fucking amazing so thank you very much buddy right we're gonna take our final break of this episode when we come back we're closing out the show right after this you're listening to the podcast under the stairs and you've been listening to the podcast under the stairs this has been bonus episode 309 this has been movie club with listener reviews for challenge teaputs december 2020 the final stop in our blaxploitation journey and our final movie club of 2020 thank you for everyone who took part in this episode and everyone who took part in movie club in 2020 a fairly fucking horrible year but it's almost behind us ladies and gents there's a multitude of ways to check out the show wherever you're listening to us right now hit subscribe that way you get access to all the episodes as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalog of Teapot's content if you subscribe to Teapot's collective as an additional feed you also get where to begin with jalo opera omnia chronicle and doing the nasty taboot. visit our website it's tputzcast.com, our merch page is tputzcast.bigcartel.com. On Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast for the Podcast Under the Stairs Facebook group page. For the Teaputs Collective page, it's facebook.com forward slash cast Reach out and interact with myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at tputscast. The Podcast Under the Stairs will return tomorrow for our final episode of the year. It is he very drunken, very messy, not on point at, for one second during are we on topic, uh, movie commentary on the movie Warlock. Myself, The Baz and Scott Liam vs Evil will get increasingly drunk out, apart from Scott who remained perfectly sober throughout it and was supposed to be the designated podcaster to let us, you know, to keep us on the straight and narrow and that went awry pretty quick. Not blaming Scott at all, not his fault, my fault. Uh, my fault for thinking for one second we would actually discuss Warlock when we hadn't chatted in a while and or drank. Yeah, it got messy. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. Remember, it's all good fun and entertainment. And um, yeah, thank you once again for supporting the podcast Under the Stairs, for checking out the shows. And I look forward to bringing Movie Club back to you in 2021. But until then, wherever you are, whatever the times zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from Under the Stairs and I am signing off.